0: So I started twerking last night. Don't know, just did. Was listening to the Radio Wolfgang app. Downloaded it, listened to it, real cool, you know. And the urge just took me to twerk. No, I was terrible, obviously. Come on.
1: You could get caught in the cold, but...
2: okay it was my fifth birthday and my parents were taking me and ten friends to Cork park, park and it was lunchtime so we were by the playground of the sandpit having some sandwiches there were clowns around the park the clown wanted to play I turned around and saw all the clowns. This is the first time I think I'd seen a clown properly. And I was terrified. At that point, I just decided to run. I didn't know what to do with myself. I just wanted to get out of there, away from all the clowns. i just so happy that these clowns were on bicycles. So they decided to ride after me because I was the birthday girl. I couldn't stop crying, I was shaking i I was calling for my parents, and at that point, I think they had to step in i i don't I don't remember like their makeup, I don't remember their outfits, well, I remember the fact it was a clown, and it was chasing me, so that was pretty traumatic. That was my first experience of realizing I was scared of clowns. Do you know what the ten is for being afraid of clowns? Co Ca- oh. No, it comes to the C, I know that for sure. I'm not sure what it's called. chorophobia.
1: They really are the perfect monster. When you think about the characteristics that go into constructing a good monster, the clown hits all of them.
2: He just wants to play
1: kid, <laughs> don't you like
3: clowns? Why? Don't we make you
4: laugh? Where does this idea that clowns are a scary thing actually come from? Well, I think in many ways that's always been an element of clowning. What we really should be asking is where do we get this idea that a clown is an innocent, playful figure of childhood? That's the question.
2: Are you
4: trying to be funny? Not anymore. It's
0: a typical theatrical device in that the clown is always seen as the friendly, jolly, helpful type character. For then that character tur turn round and go ah, 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 ah and stab somebody. Beep beep Richie
4: <laughs> Come on up, Richie. I got a balloon for you.
3: <laughs> Not so
4: want a balloon.
3: <laughs> <Good>
0: <laughs> now, I defy almost any clan to work, a kid's audience, the day after it has been on television. Believe me, it's not easy. It really is not easy.
1: My name is Margie Kerr. I'm a sociologist who studies fear I've always really loved haunted houses and scary movies and thrill rides, roller coasters. Uh, But at the same time as a sociologist, I've looked at how fear has been a very kind of toxic force in society. In terms of casual surveys, asking people in large samples what they're afraid of, clowns are always in the top five. When it comes to actually looking at the statistics that would be collected by you know, medical professionals, it's a little less clear how popular the phobia is.
4: My name is Andrew McConnell-Stock. I'm professor of English at the University at Buffalo in upstate New York. And uh, I'm a somewhat reluctant expert on the history of clowns and clowning. From its earliest manifestations in classical antiquity through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and into the 18th century, the clown was always on the margins of society and so always contained an element of the dark and the frightening as well as the humorous. Where did it happen? Where was the fork in the road in which the clown becomes something that's associated with childhood and laughter and had the darker aspect extracted from it? and is there one figure where we can actually see it happening? Joseph Grimaldi was a clown who was uh, born in 1778. His mother was English, and his father was an Italian performer called Giuseppe Grimaldi. And in fact, he invented the white-faced clown that is still known as Joey's today. And Grimaldi went on to become really the most famous performer of the Regency period. Grimaldi's... Life was keenly observed because he grew famous at a time when the culture of celebrity was really just beginning to develop. (laughs) He was an an amazingly inventive performer, very, very physical, was incredibly humorous and was said to have one of the most mobile faces that had ever existed. But then offstage, Joseph Grimaldi was privately um, somewhat tormented. His father had been a very brutal man, Giuseppe Grimaldi, known in London theatrical circles only as the Signor. This is a man who had a real sadistic streak that ran through him and a real streak of insanity. His father actually uh, faked his own death at one stage and lay out in a coffin in their dining room just to see what the reaction of his children would be. And Joe was actually uh, sensible enough to just uh, play it very cool. But his uh, younger brother danced around and cheered and clapped and was really happy at him. And of course then his father sat up in the coffin, gave him all a heart attack and then proceeded to beat uh, his younger son within an inch of his life. So Joseph grew up in this extremely volatile and unstable household. Joseph Grimaldi himself was known for having an incredibly benign personality. He's a really friendly man and people really loved him. So if he had inherited any of his father's mental instability and psychological problems, he turned them inward. Grimaldi could be very cruel to himself. He drove himself extremely hard. He could um, do these incredibly uh, high leaps and tumbles. and A lot of his comedy was based around physical endurance, you know, how much of a beating could he tolerate and how far was he willing to go in order to please his audience and get laughs. And he never really let himself heal properly. And as a result, he would suffer through terrible, terrible injuries. Grimaldi would have these, in, these wonderful bravura performances where the audience were in fits of laughter and, and standing ovations and absolute worship coming from the auditorium. And he would stagger backstage and cry terrible physical price that he paid for his clowning he just would have given everything he would just he just left it there on the stage however for Grimaldi there was this real divide between Joey the onstage clown persona this man who is the funniest person we have ever seen and then Joe the performer behind it. He goes home and he suffers from these dark and debilitating depressions. He even made a joke about it. He would say, um, you see me laugh all night, but I am grim all day. And that dual identity becomes essential to understanding Grimaldi's legacy.
3: Hello, can you hear me? We you have lovely weather. Can you introduce
2: yourself and your, what your clown name
4: is? Well, my clown name is Pina. Uh, I'm 21. Uh, Jazzy. Uh, Benny. Well, I'm um, Toby today. And I'm usually a mime clown, but mime doesn't come over very well on radio for some reason or other.
3: It's <laughs> terrible,
4: isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get to work all over the place, really, don't we? I mean, we mm, I mean, so we get some wonderful experiences. Mostly good. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you take the good with the bads. It's what it is, you know.
0: Being with people, you know, so you're sharing it all with them. And uh, that's the thing. And as long as people are happy as a result of it, yeah, uh, it makes it worthwhile. Um, I mean, what you don't want is people to run out of the room screaming, you know. And and what we don't like are these people that don't understand what being a clown entertainer is. And then they present themselves in what they call a scary clown. You know, yeah. you know it, it causes us a load of problems. I mean, it's caused me a lot of problems as Secretary of Clowns International, having to deal with the press. You know, we don't go to bed dressed like this. You know, I mean, you, 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 you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't know a clown if you saw him walking down the street. Picasso said, "To, yeah. wear,
2: to tell the truth, you have to wear a mask. No. Forget about the scary clowns, because that's a load of rubbish. Clowns are cool, and it is the second oldest the profession.
4: And in times of..." Austerity, we need laughter. Charles Dickens was Joseph Grimaldi's first biographer, but he took the job on very reluctantly. Dickens had been a fan of Grimaldi as a child and was obviously very interested in performance. I mean, we can see there are circuses and theatres and performances all over Dickens' novels. But one of the very first uh, cameos he has as a clown um, in his professional writing career is in the Pickwick Papers where um, he introduces to us a character who is uh, Jemmy the Clown, this really emaciated figure, Whose skin and bone and whose uh, white face makeup and hollow cheeks make him look like some walking corpse. And this is a guy who is actually based on Joseph Grimaldi's son, J.S. Joseph Samuel Grimaldi. And just a, as Joe had been introduced to the theatre at an early age, J.S. was introduced at an early age also. His performing career began relatively well, but it never really took off, and he was always compared unfavourably to his father. And so, J.S. Grimaldi became a drunk. He became increasingly involved in the more debauched side of theatrical life. There was drinking, there was womanising, there was uh, hanging around with lowlife and disreputable people. And eventually, um, he went mad and committed suicide. So I think this is really the origins of the motif of the scary clown. The makeup cannot cover up the sins of this person's life. And that laughter is actually only just a tiny turn away from being this insane or manic laughter. It's actually very aggressive or even psychotic. During Grimaldi's lifetime, clowns were really aimed at an adult audience. It's only really in the Victorian period that the sort of childhood elements and the fairy tale elements of the pantomime really become the ones that become dominant in the form. So after Grimaldi died in 1837, there was really no one to replace him, and as a result, the clown figure becomes less and less prominent. The clowns that would exist would come on stage and they would throw out sweets and candies to the children. And this is really where the association of clowns with children comes from.
0: Introducing Bozo, the world's most
1: famous clown! Big makeup and big hair, child-friendly, kid-friendly, not like the court jester, not trying to, to push boundaries, but to be, you know, full of, of joy and happiness. This is my home.
4: They may be all
0: wet, but it's no circus without the clowns to give the kiddies that holiday spirit.
4: Mr. and Mrs. Well, we want to tell you we can sing, we can
0: dance, and we, and we love, love baggy
3: pants. pants.
4: When you fall on your face, hey, say this must, must be the place. The and queen of comedy without a crown, Mr. and, and Mrs. Mrs. Historically speaking, that's just a blip in their identity. The red nose, the big feet. I think that type of clown is culturally exhausted. It's not something that people really kind of go to for some kind of humorous sustenance. They look elsewhere. People are just creeped out by it. They just don't want it. Uh, children love to laugh, but most people that make children laugh for a living suck at it. Uh, clowns aren't funny. That doesn't exist a funny clown. If a person was funny, they'd do comedy because you make money doing it. There's no HBO clown specials if you make a bunch of money. And kids just look at them and just go, just please stop trying to make me laugh. There's nothing worse than a person who's not funny trying to be funny, and that's what a clown is.
0: Now something really highbrow as the clowns go into action. It's dead easy to be a clown. All you've got to be able to do is take anything that comes. I didn't crawl out of my nappies and think, I want to be a clown. I mean, I didn't seriously think about clowning until I was about 22. So I didn't, I never planned to be a clown. It just sort of happened. I have squeakers in my gloves, uh, which is what I use, you know, for shaking hands with people. And, and then if, if they say, oh no, it's in your gloves, it's in your gloves, so I can take off the gloves and I can still shake hands with them. But then I do this, which which is nice. And I carry around my neck. I've got I consider myself sometimes to be quite shy. And yet, as Gingerna, I, I feel. It's almost like um, putting Superman's suit on, albeit baggy pants and, and tartan. It's a very young cook. And this is a siren. <whistles> kids are adults without any experience, they have no knowledge of what is meant to be scary, or they're just unsure. Because if you're two foot, two foot six high and a six foot person comes towards you and they're dressed like something you have absolutely no experience of before, you don't know how to react. What does annoy me in those circumstances is the mothers that grab their child to their bosom and say, come here, come here. He's scared of clowns. No, he isn't. You've just told them that the clown is something to be scared of. And because you keep saying that and associating with with cuddles and, and safety, the kid is gonna then lodge it in their brain that somehow the clown is something to be scared of, which
1: is not. The most monstrous clown would definitely be the clown with heavy makeup that is really distorting typical human anatomy and expression. To begin with, they they have these painted-on faces, uh, and we depend on our ability to read facial expressions to form a trusting relationship. But with clowns, you can't read their facial expressions accurately. They have overly expressive uh, eyebrows, smile or frown painted on, and that doesn't match up with what their eyes or what their mouth may actually be saying. So it creates a form of dissonance. Our brain is essentially going to register an error and say, wait a minute, something isn't right here. This person is not trustworthy because we can't get a good read on what they actually are thinking and feeling. We know that uh, inverted triangles, which are often drawn onto the faces of clowns, so around the eyes, the diamond shapes, actually activate our amygdala, which is our fear processing center in our brain. In addition to the facial makeup, they have oversized feet or oversized hands or they're wearing, you know, really big, bulky costumes. All of those things are going to, to tap into to our fear response.
4: The problem is a, a, a form of cultural dissonance. Clowns are meant to be funny, but who actually laughs at clowns anymore? And that's the problem. They just seem sad.
3: Victor Kramer is a Russian clown director who said that a clown is a heart without a skin. It's just there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I'm a, a theater clown, an actor, a director. A writer, a teacher, a coach, many people, and um, what else? Not a vegetarian, and not a pedestrian. I like motorbikes. Love motorbikes. I feel very honored to earn. I earn. The title clown, I have this respect for the art form, but happens that no one else has, because the the figure of clowning has been exploited, abused, misused, and the name clown is being associated with things that are not true. Like if you look like a clown, is a bad thing. When you call somebody a clown, be careful. You have, might be playing a huge compliment to someone, but my peers don't call themselves themselves clowns. And the name clown is not very well received. Agents don't like the name. Producers don't like the name. Then I'm the only one that calls myself a clown and I'm so proud of it. And at the same time, Is a shot on my foot.
1: People that I've talked to who are clowns say that they're more comfortable when they tell people that they're portraying a scary clown rather than the traditional happy clown. Uh, And I know that membership in the clowning associations has dropped dramatically. uh, And a lot of it is because of the media and the perception and connotations that we now have as being negative. Really, well, there's a social stigma towards clowns.
4: The idea of the killer clown actually goes back some way. Um, We've seen it in 19th century France where jean gaspard Deberoux, the performer who originally popularized the Perrault clown, he actually was tried and acquitted for killing a man and he had been walking in a public park with his wife when a man had come up and insulted him and spat on him and Deberoux had hit him with his walking stick and he'd knocked his brains in and killed him.
1: We had some scary characters who changed the connotations and associations of clowns forever, uh, primarily with John John Lee Gacy. Gacy. A
0: man who liked to put on a clown suit and entertain children. Now he is charged with one murder and the police have found at last count, 27 bodies buried under his house and garage.
1: Where the media was just full of headlines reading killer clown. The idea that the clown is a monster really took off and today many children are socialized with the idea that clowns are not friendly and fun, but rather murderous and, and scary.
4: Throughout Britain and also in the United States, there's been an increasing amount of sightings of people dressed up as scary clowns.
1: Creepy clown sightings, by now you've surely heard about a few Ooh, of it's them. It's all anybody's talking about. Creepy clown sightings clown Mass fear, country. mass confusion, but at this point, rather safe than sorry.
0: And it's all led by Halloween. This is just a phase. This happens
2: every year. These clown scares have been happening all over the country. Being a clown in the laundromat.
1: Also in a wooded a area. Wearing near a red a... nose and all white clothing. Pulling a brown box asking Young, kids if they the want a nice On the woman's an car face.
2: and brandished a machete. Threatening
1: schools in Dallas. Peeking
2: through windows of parked cars. The
1: rattling of the doorknob and a high pitched voice speaking to her.
2: What is it that you're afraid of? Who's behind the masks? You don't know, nobody knows. Why are they doing this and are those real clowns and are you doing it? I think it's been a little bit taken over by some sinister people and now nobody knows who's in which camp and
0: so the overall right message is to say don't go outside dressed as a clown because people are going to
2: take it the wrong way.
0: When we spend our whole life as clowns trying to make people happy and laugh And these idiots, within seconds, can can ruin everything for a child's imagination. It's very sad,
4: very sad.
2: Good to know there are still happy clowns out there. Absolutely. (laughs) All right.
4: The clown, I'm sorry to say in many ways, it really is associated with a previous age. And in many ways, I think, that in itself is very interesting. It becomes a kind of figure of this sort of recessionary economics. There was a world in which clowns were popular, but that world has gone. That world of the circus, that world of these great provincial theatres no longer exists. And the clowns are sort of left over as a remnant, a reminder, this kind of rusting industrial figure that just stands there as some kind of ruin or relic that reminds us of a time come past. It's this idea that the clowns of old, the clowns of the circus, the clowns we once laughed with but have now forgotten and discarded and decided to treat with disdain have come back to threaten us and to get their revenge for the fact that we are no longer interested in them.
1: I think that the relationship between uh, media and then the arts is, is this circular relationship. You know, we had some of these real clowns who were doing awful things in real life. And the filmmakers, the story writers, you know, pick up on that and create these really strong stories that are fiction. And that feeds back into the narrative. And so then we've got life depicting art, depicting life.
4: Stephen King's Pennywise from the novel It is probably one of the single biggest factors in the decline of clowning, or at least the association of clowns with joy and laughter. I'll kill you all. The clown enters the horror menagerie and takes its place alongside Frankenstein and Dracula. I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Please welcome the very scary Stephen King. You were one of the first people to have the idea that a clown could be a scary figure. Mm-hmm. You actually, uh, in, in, the, in, in It, which became right. a movie, you wrote about, a, a you created a homicidal clown. It's very effective. Did you find clowns scary when you were a kid? Well, you know, as a kid going to the circus,
0: there would be like 12 full-grown people that would all pile out of a little tiny car Their faces were dead white, their mouths were red as though they were full of blood. They're all screaming, their eyes are huge. What's not to like, (laughs) And the parents are all like, aren't the clowns funny, Johnny? And Johnny's like, no, get me the hell out of here!
4: Like any great writer of horror fiction, he's twisted what should be a comfortable reminder to us of domestic security and turned it into something threatening. Great invention on his part. But the clown community will not be thanking him for it.
0: There was somebody up in Northampton who turns out was a film student who was running around with with the scary clown mask and jumping out at people, brandishing whatever it was. He was brandishing. Some people said it was a knife. Some people said it was you know whatever. But basically, he was doing it for kicks, and 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 uh, and of course, it hit all the media. And then, on a, a friend of mine contacted me on a Friday evening. And on one of the BBC local websites, Norfolk, BBC Norfolk, there was a big article about scary clowns and they were using my photograph. I wrote an official letter. This is affecting our status and our employment status as well. Please cease and desist and do not use our photographs. See, it's very damaging to to clowning in general. And the media is insistent on whipping up this scary clown phobia. There are very few people who are genuinely scared of clowns. Very, very few.
1: Because they are playing with social boundaries, they do a lot of things that are not typically considered um, normal in everyday society. So they're trying to squirt you with water, they're trying to mess up your hair, doing things that basically... Under normal circumstances, we would not tolerate or appreciate at all. They usually touch people more than we would expect a stranger to touch us, uh, especially when it comes to kids.
0: Political correctness has changed the way most of us have to behave. In some ways, I think it's easier for female entertainers because nobody thinks twice of a female entertainer giving a, a, a child a hug. Whereas if if it was a male entertainer, they oh, what's he doing? Is he suspect? Is he, you know? And and that's a horrible way to have to think. It's really horrible. I mean, so much so that if a kid, you know, if kids are coming to me to have a photograph with me, I have to make sure that my hands are on their shoulders or both inside for the camera. And that's that's a horrible thing. I've had to retrain myself to do that. This whole thing is, is, I mean, you know, Bad adults, and, 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 you know... Sad, 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 sad. I've had entertainers, entertainer friends who have been approached by children who have said, give me some money or I'll tell them you touched me. Uh, I've also been threatened with a knife in, in a park in Fulham. i would made been making balloons for this uh, girl's younger brother, and I, I think I'd... I'd outgrown my patience. I'd made about four balloons for me, kept coming back for more. I mean, it looked like he was trying to open a shop or something. I, thought, I said, four, yeah, four is really plenty, you know. I've, I've got to make some for the other children are here. And his bigger sister, who was probably all of eight or nine, pulled a knife on me. Uh, and I thought, OK. And I just slightly edged away and backed away and backed away, to a point where I could turn around and run. I ran over and got a security guard and said, she's picking on me. That hasn't happened very often, thank goodness, but, you know.
4: Make us laugh, clown. Nice face, clown. Make me laugh, clown.
3: Personally, I suffer quite a lot of discrimination uh, because I end up being very different and uh, people sometimes don't like somebody that is very different. Many years ago now, there was a, a street festival. It's called Summer in the City, and they call a lot of street performers, clowns, circus, all sorts of people to be there for two hours only, lunch time. So people that comes to have lunch on their place, have entertainment so I said good idea off I go I do half now in each corner of this square took the clown the clown very proud to be doing that men people passing through me said uh, don't you have anything else to do does the police know that you're here there was this kind of comments that really hit someone in a certain way that they commented that aloud to me, to the clown. And the clown was so shocked that I couldn't say anything. You just didn't understand. was completely baffled. Because when I go into my clown personas, I'm not myself any longer. And then finish, I went back home. And I was having this argument with myself a very schizophrenic kind of thing with the clown saying i'm not coming back there these people don't deserve me no but hold on we have a contract we need the money no but i'm not you're not gonna make me doing it so the next day i went again without the makeup i just put the costume but on the next day was again the same kind of remarks You see, so you have to deal with daily humiliations sometimes, daily. Look, I am what I do. If I can't do, I can't be. So in terms of the crowning, it is such a big part of me that I'm it. And I have to protect myself sometimes.
1: The desire to take on an alternate identity and go out and either scare people or, or entertain people, there is um, underlying kind of psychological reasons that some people may want to do that. They may want to be able to express parts of themselves they don't feel they can in their normal life. Uh, it's worth saying, okay, well, what, what what is the motivation for that? And for a lot of people, they just want to entertain. They want to make people happy. Uh, but for those who feel like they, they have to you know put on a mask, uh, that could be worth some follow-up questions.
4: <laughs> people are suspicious of the motives of people who want to dress as clowns. You know, clowning is a form of drag or disguise. And drag and disguise are associated with, with hidden motives. You know, what is it that you're trying to hide? What psychological aspect of you do you not want the world to see?
1: Why do you want to be a clown? What does that say about you? do I do it?
0: Children laughing, I think, would probably sum up most of it. I did about ten minutes on the stage for the gala show. I had a a young boy who was, I don't know, maybe ten or something as the volunteer. He got the giggles. So much so, he was doubling over with laughter. I was laughing. He was laughing. We were having a great time on stage. Now, until I die, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that because it was a magical moment where we we shared that five minutes or so that he was actually on stage because I did something before he came on, uh, and it was magical because it was just we were in our little world and we were sharing it with the entire theatre, and and it, it it was wonderful. But uh, you know, I, I've that child might not remember your name, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I, for me, thats I think that's about... Now, not just kids. I mean, I entertain adults in clowning as well. But it's, it's leaving the audience, whatever their age, with a nice feeling. And if we can do that, I think we've done our job.
3: I think... There is this kind of uh, concept in many people's minds. When we talk about crowns, they think it's easy. They think we can't do anything better. Look, I've been doing that for 48 years, 30 years in crowning. Do not have my kids, do not have families and everything else as everybody, you no know, bills to pay and uh, hopes, dreams.
4: You know, I mentioned that I'm something of a sort of reluctant historian of clowns. And I'm also very much a reluctant harbinger of the decline of or demise of clowning. I have nothing personal against clowns. But, um, you know, the ho- cultural history of clowning sort of leads me to reach these conclusions. And, you know, I'm sorry to reach them. I've got nothing against clowns or the clown community and I wish them all the best. But it just seems that they've been overrun by a different perspective on what it is that they do.
1: The future of the clown is is going to definitely have to go through another evolution where uh, it comes back to being a source of joy and I think that it will, I think it'll probably just involve tweaking that image and maybe it might involve abandoning the classic signs and symbols of clowns. So maybe the the big hair and the red nose and the face paint will have to be toned down or changed so that we can move forward. But there'll always be a place for children's entertainers and there'll always be a place for people who just want to make people feel good.
0: Yeah, I think things have changed. It- it will change eventually. How long that's going to take is anybody's guess. I may well be out of the business or dead before
3: before that changes. So I do I do what I can. Clowning is very broad. You know, it's like any other art form. It has its traditional style. It has modern style. Clowning also has the right to reinvent itself and to update itself to be a bit more contemporary. And that happens, but people don't see that. Clowns are getting into the modern world in a very subtle way. Uh, For example, I work with teachers of secondary primary schools with the project called uh, The Clown's Competence, the clown doctors uh, or the rebel clowns or the clown army. Now there is a new line that is uh, the clowns that work with people with Alzheimer's, which is a completely different field. Clowning all the same, bringing this kind of support, because people want to be heard, want to tell the stories. So, there we go. As far as retiring goes, I think as long as I'm
0: physically able to still work, I will, Um, partly because I can't afford not to. That's the really down-to-earth practical part of it. But mostly because I enjoy what I do. I mean, I'm not working anywhere near as much as I used to, which I do find sad. But I enjoy what I do and, and, and whether it means you know, um, going out and you know, doing balloons at a shopping centre or, or a parade or whatever, I still enjoy it. And as long as I keep enjoying it, I'm still going to be out there. Thankfully, the sheer joy jobs have way outweighed the horrendous ones, Otherwise, I would have given up a long, long time
3: ago. Sometimes it's very difficult to be exposed in such a way has its toll. but we have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun at the same time. And this life is magical. It can't be edited. It can't do again. You can't take another take. I's there is that life experience you're having with someone.
0: I I was once asked if I used the clown face to hide behind and my answer to that I think is I use it as a window to look through.
2: of the lives of others was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang. It was produced and edited by Harry Watson and Natalia Rodriguez, additional sound recording by Carl McCauley and sound design by Natalia Rodriguez. The team would really like to thank Beth Kenny, Margie Kerr and Andrew Stott and a huge thanks to all the clowns at Clowns International, in particular Ginger Nuts, a.k.a. Ian Tom and Matty Faints. We'd also really like to thank Angela De Castro from the Why Not Institute.